Welcome to this week's bonus podcast, which is another character profile. I'm sorry, we've done two weeks in a row. Hope you can forgive us. This is a classic character profile, though, of Doreen Lostock. I am Michael. I'm Gemma. I just thought we'd better say that. We'll use start the episode with that. And yeah, we've got a, a real proper old school curry character who was um, in and out of the show in its very early years this year, haven't we? Um, this is kind of... I feel like... I was saying to you the other day, that I feel like we've gone... This is what some character profiles used to feel like, where we used to read and talk about characters that we don't really have great knowledge of. But we, we know everything about, her about now. it. We, 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 we watched we an episode with her in it last night. So we, we, we did. Are, we refreshed our memory. We've done our homework. Yes, I've I've, I've been through Coropedia. I've um, I've written. Excuse me. I've written um, a load of notes. I've I've read all about her. So we're just going to um, regurgitate what we found out about Doreen and maybe talk about um, what we kind of thought about her from seeing her last night. I mean, we have seen ones before, haven't we? When we were watching the 60s episodes um, a couple of years ago, we must have seen her in a few episodes. But because she was a very... Um, not necessarily a background character, either, but she, she, was, ne- she was never like a, a major, major character in the show, was she? How many episodes did um, originally get commissioned? Like... I can't remember whether it was 12 or 13. Did he write them all? So she was introduced in episode 12. Yeah. So I presume that she was always part of the plan. Maybe, but I don't know whether, you know, as they got close to that episode like 12 writing. deadline, we need more characters. Yeah, okay. I'm, I'm not really sure about it. I, I, I also don't know, and somebody I'm surely sure can tell us, um, at what point during the production of these 12 episodes did they commission more? Yeah, no, I, I, I can't remember. I've, I'm sure I've read it at some point, but I don't know. But yeah, Doreen came in in episode 12, which was the 18th of January 1961, and um, springboarded the show onto its future greatness, I, I guess. she was, Maybe it's thanks to Doreen that we're still here 62 years later, I don't know. But yeah, she was... Um, she she was a bit of a ditz this character and then this is two this is double ditz isn't it because we did Emma last week as a character profile so it's got we're kind of the uh, comparing and contrasting twenty twenty two bimbo to to nineteen sixty one bimbo I I suppose but um Gemma just give give us her vital statistics first then we'll get cracking properly she was born on the first of February nineteen forty one she had a brother and a sister. Don't ask any more questions. No, she just did. She first appeared on the 18th of January, 1961. So she was a um, a 19-year-old then. Yeah, what? yeah, maybe. With maths. Good, good maths then. It is maths, isn't it? <laughs> she, was, she was born on the 1st of February, 1941. Yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right. Thank you. She last appeared on the 2nd of October, 1963, and she was in... 143, 45 episodes, and she was played by Angela Crowe. Yeah, now one of the reasons that we've chosen to do this episode this week is, if you remember from the podcast a few weeks ago, Angela Crowe's death was reported just a couple of weeks ago, wasn't it? I think she died early March, and it kind of made its way into the the Corrie fandom a couple of weeks ago, so I thought it would be a good idea to to pay tribute to the character and and find out a little bit about her, because I think that she's definitely a character that not many Coronation Street fans would know about. I mean, ju- just from, from what we've seen of her, did you quite did you quite enjoy a bit of Doreen Lostock? I thought stock? she was qu- kind of fun, you know. She's um, vivacious, she was bubble-headed, she was trendy, yeah. but she didn't really understand... 
Like she was super, super in. Like the the episode we saw was a party episode where she was um, preparing to have lots of people around, and she didn't really. She was kind of a bit like um, Hilda Ogden, where she knew what the trends were, but she'd never done any of them before, and so she was just kind of. Uh, trying to be impressive and do the right, you know, do the latest cool thing yeah. without really knowing what, what, how to, how to achieve it, and just reading it in a magazine. So yeah, I she, can was, imagine she her was making a fondue, wasn't sort she, of opening one of these old kind of vintage um, copies of like Women's Own or whatever the the magazines that I I like collecting vintage magazines and sort of opening it and being really excited by all the pictures and like the dinner party spreads and like reading you know what what's the best thing to prepare for a party mm-hmm. and I I think that that really is um a universal thing that a lot of people can relate to you know wanting to be cool and hearing about a new latest fad and not really knowing yeah. what the hell to do about <laughs> it and then just serving sausage rolls she was also <laughs> a, a rare glimpse into the look of the youth of the early 1960s in those episodes wasn't she i mean we know that lucille hewitt was the the young teenager that kept, there was yeah she was what 12 13 maybe at the beginning yeah of she the was show. a young young so teen. lucille was that much older than that. Hang on, um, who's Lisa? Sorry, sorry uh, Doreen was that much older than that. She was, mm-hmm. she was, um, yeah, well, she was, you know, she was becoming still, a woman, yeah. And she was, she was sort of edging out of teen, teendom, yeah, I right guess at the time when youth culture was really taking off as a, as a, as a yeah, thing. And teenagers were, were a thing. Yeah. Well, you, you also at the time had the likes of Dennis Tanner, Linda Chavesky, Sheila Bertels, um, that were, I, I suppose, of similar ages. There were lots of sort of young people on the show. Jed Stone came later. Lucille Hewitt was sort was a sort of special case because she... was the she, child. Yeah, she grew through mm. into, you know, experiencing all the different things that a kid would experience yeah. growing up. But I, I really quite enjoyed watching her and I, I couldn't remember a whole lot about when we'd seen her a couple of years ago because she was very much a, a side character, a bit of a background character, or she would maybe be in one episode and then we'd see her again four or five episodes later or so. But definitely from watching um, that episode again last night, it did make me very interested to maybe revisit some of the earlier 60s episodes and see her again. Mm. So um, Angela Crowe herself, the actress, apparently um, started her acting career skiving off school to appear in a touring production of Jane Eyre. I just, just love back in the day you could do that. It's just... You know, Skive off school. Nobody did anybody care back in those days. I don't know, but um, she she <laughs> wanted to be an actress, so that's what she did. It's like running away to join the circus, isn't it? She ended up going to Rada during which time she won. Oh, Rada. I know, very fancy. She won various awards there. She uh, won the Gilbert Award for comedy, and I can I can definitely She's see got great time, great yeah. comic um, yeah yep, yep. chops there. Mm-hmm. The the Tree Award for drama, the Emile Littler Award for outstanding talent. So they really did see some huge potential in Angela Crow right from the very start. And then before Corrie, she ended up playing the lead in numerous theatre productions and TV shows, um, all before starting getting that job at Corrie at a fairly young age. Um, I was reading some of her uh, the obituaries of Angela Crow um, a couple of weeks ago, and um, one of the things that stood out to me the most there is a couple of them were saying that "ecky thump" was her catchphrase, and I was waiting on the episode that we saw last night for her to say it, and unfortunately she didn't. But um, as "ecky thump" is 
one of our one of our podcast awards that we do every year. I think that's kind of cool that she was not the not the originator of the phrase, but she she had that as a catchphrase. She popularized it in back, the north back in uh, 1961. <laughs> really? mm-hmm. um, but she she did say Bayek, I think last night or Ek or something. So uh, get getting close there. Um, the other interesting thing about this character about her origins was that from the very start she didn't actually have a name. So she and um, Sheila. Um, were, were originally known as the Balm Cake Girls um, because they just used to be seen hanging around outside the corner shop going in there to buy their sandwiches because they, they, they were factory workers at the Ellison's Raincoat Factory. Um, and so she wasn't actually part of like the 12 episode or 13 episode like pitch of like... I don't, is... I don't So she was just like so. hired as a background and then somebody probably went... Well, maybe, maybe I think I think they I, I just think they were just experimenting back yeah, in yeah, those yeah. days, weren't I mean. they? You and, know, and so they were they her were... as as a background artist, and then go, oh yeah, we, yeah. Maybe we need her. Maybe we need somebody like her. Why don't we just use her? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, she, you you get your factory girls these, or maybe not so much these days. More in you know, the, the 70s to the early 2000s where you'd have characters yeah. that oh, were yeah, just true. factory workers, basically, and not much else, or a little bit, some, sometimes, like, Kelly Crabtree well, would evolve into more of a character, which I think Doreen did. Forget that. Um, Bet Lynch, you know, was a throwaway mm. part coming in as a factory girl asking Annie if they she sold pies in the pub. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So uh, she, she she did. She, she started off just kind of hanging around there and... and it's quite funny to picture it because that was right by the viaduct, which was the the painted viaduct with the with the wall yeah. and the post box and everything. So she, she Sheila, uh, Bertels, and um, Glynis, who was a character for five episodes, she started in episode eight. Did Glynis, but uh, for whatever reason, things didn't work out for her. I think Sheila also started in episode eight. Doreen came later, but then the friendship that blossoms between. Doreen Lostock and Sheila Bertels was what then kind of went on to form one of the very early friendships on the programme that was later um, repeated for like Gail and Susie Birchall mm-hmm. or Seth Gail and um, who was the other friend that she had? Trisha Hopkins and oh what was that? Sorry, <laughs> it's the cat. And if definitely yeah, the cat she's has come just, to join us again. She she's not. She's not commit. She wants to lay down, but she's not committing herself. No, she has a wire between a weird, her legs at the moment. Yeah, see what she crouch, does. Crouch. So yeah, it, she, they, the, the original young trendy <laughs> friends who lived together above the corner shot flat. Um, and although well, they know, didn't stay for long, they, yeah, they they certainly started a legacy on Coronation Street. It does show that even in its very early stages, Coronation Street was definitely would definitely had its eye on the youth and trying yes. to court younger viewers. Yeah, it's all very well having relatable. your Annie Walkers and your Ina Sharples because yeah. those are the people like like Tony Warren's mum or grandma or the, the women that he had around his house. Yeah. You did, you did have to think of your audience because Tony Warren himself was very young. He was in his early 20s, wasn't he, when he uh, when he came up with Coronation Street? So, uh, yeah, they, they've certainly had the whole spectrum of age thanks to characters like this. Uh, we don't know a whole lot, I don't think, about Doreen's backstory before the show started we know she was educated at Bessie Street School she came to Coronation Street to work at Elliston's Raincoat Factory she had had an, a relationship with Billy Walker um, before the show started so just remind everyone Billy Walker yeah, is Annie, Annie Walker's and, um, uh, wayward son Annie and oh, 
Jack's son. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he had to leave when he's called up for national service. So this was kind of the bat story that was filled in later, which I didn't realise before I was no, watching I this. So there's quite a bit that I learned about while I was researching her the other day. So this is this is what Doreen got up to on the street. And I'm going to start off with 1961. So one of the first things that we saw her doing was trying to catch the attention of a plumber um, who was... Um, hanging around called Joe Plumber Joe Mm -hmm. who was hanging around that end of the street the corner shop end of the street but he only had eyes for Christine Hardman same and um but but Doreen was kind of was chasing after him and he ended up palming her off with tickets to a jazz gig so that to get him out no of thanks. his hair, Gemma does not like jazz. Don't that wouldn't me work to on. Jazz. Would, would that if if he gave you tickets to a jazz gig, would that make you kind of give up on him completely, or yeah. did you say thanks for if that? If you think this is an appropriate snog. thing for me to go to, then I'm afraid we're on diff- completely different levels. <laughs> like, why don't you invite? Jazz is like the equivalent of slam poetry. I don't want to hear, just hear you making stuff up as you go along. <laughs> so later- make up a song and then sing it to me. Don't. Don't expect me to sit there while you work out the fine details. I think that you think about it more deeply than um, Doreen would, to be honest. I think she just like having her own, oh, sounds, having a bop. Sounds mega fancy. <laughs> so Billy Walker, posh. Billy Walker came back from the army in sort of early uh, 1961, and he started seeing Doreen again, like striking up that relationship. Annie Walker didn't approve Can't of this. Can't believe it. I, 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 she, she had um, yeah very <laughs> high standards for the the girls that her son would be stepping out with, and Doreen, the airhead, didn't quite. Meet well, them. this was the joke all along with Annie that she thought she was a cut above everybody else, but she really wasn't. Yeah, she, yeah. you know, lived on the same street as everybody else. And she had been a factory girl herself yeah, back in the day, hadn't she? Had Annie. The Doreen, however, was still sweet on Joe a little bit. And um, she spends first half of 1961 irritating Christine when she's trying to flirt with him. Eventually, and she's able to talk Christine out of marrying Joe the plumber. So she does quite a good job there. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Now, another great thing about Doreen, which I didn't realise before, is that she she had numerous jobs. She was obviously working at the factory, mainly at the beginning. But she also worked at a cafe on Rosamond Street. And I don't know whether this is the cafe that eventually like turned into Jim's Cafe in the, in, in the 70s and 80s. But anyway, it was um, run by a woman called Sylvia Snape, who was played by acting legend Patricia Routledge. Now she was, uh, she's from a bit of a... From Keeping Up From Keeping Up Appearances. She was a hyacinth bouquet in Keeping Up Appearances, which, my claim to fame, was filmed in the village that I grew up in. So I think that's really cool. Now, um, Sylvia Snape was only in it for... Bet, I don't even know whether she got into double digits, to be honest, but I'd really be interested in seeing some of those old episodes with a young Patricia Outledge, because I can only imagine her as being a, an older, middle-aged woman... Um, I know, yeah. What does a young P- Patricia Routledge look like? Yeah, there is a picture of her on um, on Coropedia, but I'd love to actually see her in action. And I think Patricia Routledge is still going as well, which is crazy, because she always seemed like such an old lady to me when I was young, while she gave enough appearances. She's like the British version of Julia Child, but she can't cook. Yeah, basically, basically. <laughs> um, anyway, so she's... In, in that, they're not at all similar. She, she, she gets this extra job in the cafe because she wants to travel the world, so needs all oh, yeah. the cash that she can get. So we get an idea about Doreen that, although she's got her head in the clouds a lot of the time, she is quite ambitious and she doesn't want to stay stuck in that street. Well, I bet yeah, Ken she Barlow is seething with Jenna, jealousy at Doreen yeah. because she he's wanted to get out of that street all his life. It's never quite well, managed it. Two years later, she was off. She's yeah. off. 
Um, so she, th- there was another story. I'd quite like to do this episode actually with her in maybe July 1961. I think I saw where at the factory she gets fed up of the leery foreman there called Harry Pilkington. And if you think about the fact the foreman from uh, Let's Miss in that at the end of the day song, he was a bit like her because he was a bit um, he was he a, a bit, bit like of a, him. Yeah, he was a bit of a reputation for being a bit handsy, a little bit um, groping of the girls, and she called him a mauler, and she drew a kind of a bit of a crowd by standing up to this guy um, he, she also reminded him of how he caused Sheila to uh, leave the factory earlier that year and threatened to sell a story about him having an affair with a canteen supervisor to the papers. That'll ruin everything So she had a bit of fire in her in this episode didn't she? Yeah. But um, it did get her the sack <laughs> I think it was probably, probably a bit of a relief Women's lot, in it. He sacks her, gives her a week's notice and says right, you can work out at the end of the week and she's like nope I'm quitting now um, and then she had to stop Billy Walker from sorting him out once he heard of um, this guy trying to get his hands on his bird. Um, she lost, so she, she'd gone from that job. Then she lost her job at the cafe um, later on that summer when the Snapes sell, uh, sold up to uh, Mario Bonatti, who had the um, not easy job of getting the Weatherfield residents interested in Italian cuisine. So this is Coronation Street's first Italian restaurant, which you saw a little bit of again like in where... the 2000s with Valandros. I was going to say, but is this the place where um, Jerry and Mavis go? Oh, I don't know where they it was, actually. They went to an Italian restaurant. And they didn't they? understand right. what the heck was going on. That was so fun. I you love know, that. I, I, like, Italian food is just so, so normalised now. Yeah, but think about <clears throat> there are still exotic foods that get introduced in this country where you would go and you would not know what you were really doing or what anything on the menu was. It's yeah. it, Just because it's Italian, which is so familiar to us, it seems quite funny, but the, the, the kind of... What's the word? The experience of going somewhere and being like, I don't know what any of this is, but I hope it yeah, tastes Yeah, and that, nice. that episode with Jerry and Mavis was perfect for that, wasn't it? And and, and it seems like right well, from its, its early days, this particular Italian restaurant um, found it quite tough because... But it's I, also like, um, it's a, a, a sort of a, an example of what it was like to be alive in those times, becoming sort of, mo- you know, socially mobile, having a bit more disposable income, people actually being able to eat out and ex- enjoy restaurants, yeah. you know, working class people, and how did they react to what they saw? And Coronation Street never set out to be a kind of anthropological study of the working class of the North, but many of the older episodes really do feel a bit like this is, you know, people were watching their experiences mirrored on screen. So mm. these are really honest depictions of the way that people would have reacted to some of the things that were new to yeah. them at the time. You know, it still does go on now. I mean, for us, it was, you know, we had the analogue childhood in the digital future, didn't we? So we saw that leap from, yeah, yeah, definitely. from no internet to internet. Back then, it was the leap from pies to Paella. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so the traditional paella, that, that, Italian paella. You know, I don't want to make it sound good. So apparently Doreen and Sheila Bertels were one of his first customers and they ended up getting a bit befuddled by the menu and then chickening out and just ordering a cup of coffee instead. <laughs> I'd quite like to see that. I would like to see that, yeah. Then she got a job at Gamma Garments, which is where she stayed for, I think, the whole of the rest of her time on the show, um, which was the, um, the drapiers, wasn't it? This was really interesting. This was another sort of what's the word thing of its time yeah what did what's they... it called 
whatever yeah. of its time. Yeah, yeah. So you could just go and buy well, you, you could well, it pants was, and fabrics. Well, yeah, they sold hosiery and a millinery mm. and you could buy fabric to make clothes or buy ready-made clothes. Mm. Yeah, and so, so she was working there with um, Emily Bishop, or Emily Nugent she was at the time, Miss obviously. Nugent. Which is always, it's so funny seeing Emily as... You know, a character in her 20s or or 30s even. And then the boss there was Mr. Swindley, Leonard Swindley, played by Arthur Lowe. Another legend. Totally. And they made such a great um, trio because, you know, Emily was very quiet and retiring and wouldn't say boo to a goose. And and, and then you got Doreen being... Conservative and reserved. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Doreen very kind of free and easy and and bubbly and ditzy. And modern and progressive and she wanted to be fashionable. Yeah, so very different from Emily. And then you got Mr Swindley, who was a very stuffy, pompous... Yeah, definitely. Arthur Lowe is best known, obviously, for Captain Mannering in... um, Dad's Dad's army, and and he would like be going, oh, stupid boy, to to Pike, and I can imagine him thinking or even saying that to to Doreen. And and from what we've seen, he really did treat his workers like they were, well, (laughs) lesser, lesser than him. Yeah, it's all like chalk and cheese here because it's a it's a clothes shop, and you've got two people who are a bit too conservative to really understand what modern youth really want out of a clothes shop but also you've got um you've got Doreen here who knows what the fashions are but the people that live in Coronation Street don't necessarily want you know a thigh high boots and uh well Elsie Tanner wouldn't say no to that well you know what I'm saying yeah on the whole on the whole so they they made a really great it's like it's like an odd couple but those three it's an odd, odd trio <laughs> an odd trio those three were um so she also got a job later in the year at the Rovers as a barmaid. Um, one more, one pound more a week than she'd been earning. But she asked for it um, on Friday lunchtime so she could go off on Friday afternoons and have shopping time. Uh, there, oh, I miss funny. being young and going shopping. And then the, the final episode <laughs> that she was in in 1961 was like November or something. And that was the high noon episode, the really famous one with the confrontation between Ina and Elsie. But uh, Doreen's... Um, uh, her great her role in that episode was accidentally breaking one of Annie's um, heirloom plates, the willow pattern plate. Do you remember yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, and, I really um, do. That's a really. And Annie's away episode. for the episode. Then she comes back and totally lays into her husband Jack for breaking her plate. And then he's and then either Doreen fesses up or, or Jack says it was Doreen, and Annie just completely switches to be like, oh, never mind, I didn't like it anyway. It's just yep. so funny. So having a wife having a massive go at the husband just for no particular reason. You like this one because I often complain that you break things, don't you? And you just kind of think this shows that she's not... She's only having a go at yeah. him because she's Women, a horrible eh? old Come cow. On, lads, you know. Rather than the fact that she spent a long time selecting each and every individual plate that is residing well, if, in the house. If you thought that I broke a plate, you'd have a go at me. But then if I said, oh, but it was Abby that did that, actually, she she knocked it. You'd be like, oh, don't worry, Abby. I wouldn't. I'd say, it. well, it doesn't make any difference, is it? Because it's broken. What are you going to do about it? <laughs> 
Now, that was the last episode that Doreen starred in in 1961, and it was actually the last time that we saw her for, I'm going to say, seven months on the show, because that was when the Equity Actors' Strike happened, which, a dis- which was a dispute between Equity, the acting union, are they? Is that right? Yeah. Shrugging of the shoulders. And ITV, because Equity thought, well, these actors need to be paid more. When they signed up for this show, or and, you know, TV in general, TV was still very young, and they didn't realise what a massive industry it had become. And just in the in the short years, from the beginning of TV to now the early 60s, these, these actors are going from the stage to becoming household names for millions of people well, up and down the country. Well, it was unprecedented fame. Yeah, absolutely. And the, and the wages they were on didn't seem to reflect that. So they said to all their... And you had, you had to be in equity, basically, in these days, I think. They were saying, right, well, nobody... Well, you because there were still some people that were in the show... That no, 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 but it. they hadn't signed their contract. So equity told everybody, right, don't anybody sell, sign any more contracts oh, now until we've solved this problem. But there were still 14 actors on Coronation Street who had only just sign their contracts so they had (laughs) to stay on I always just wonder what was going on with that whether they were scabs or not no 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 I know that you can't I don't know about the UK but in America it's like a bit of a racket isn't it you have to be in a union to get a job working in any significant I don't know you do okay (laughs) Um, but once you get your foot in the door that's it yeah, so you've got your 14 core cast members holding the show together for a good six, seven months. Crazy. And that's when they had to, like, bring in the animals or try and get children involved, and they tried to get well, children yeah, to be... Well, yeah, we know that Annie Jack, um, who was uh, the... Dennis Tanner Dennis was Tanner. still there. The I don't know who else was Enu involved. Enu was there, I think. There were quite a lot of... So some of the some of the ones that big, were left were big were big stars. It wasn't like you were left them down with, the, with yeah. those contracts. Yeah, exactly. Um, but but no Doreen. Um, and and, and yes, yeah, what I was saying about some of the children, though, they would like get the children to tie and pose as postmen and everything. <laughs> Which I think in the end it kind of got back to the people hiring them and saying, no, you can't really do that. They're just children. Well, Give is, them children's. Isn't roles. this what happened with Thunderbirds? What? A very ignorant memory seems to recall that there was some kind of scandal with Thunderbirds where, because um, it was all puppets, <clears throat> but then when they had, sometimes they had a close-up of somebody like picking up a glass or, mm. uh, you know, t- looking at their watch or something, they just used people that were on set like, oh, you're not doing anything, come and hold oh, your watch. And then they got in massive trouble because they had to have actual actors, like you need a professional yeah. actor to go the time is noon. That's why, as, as fun as it would be, I don't think you're going to be seeing us on Coronation no, Street any time. You can't be just allowed. say, oh, go on, give Michael a job or a job. No. I know, but lots of people say it would be quite fun if we were allowed to do that. But well, Even like a walk-on part There's in a the lot background. more involved nope. to it. You have to, it's, it's a profession, on, you have to take it seriously. It's not just a silly, yeah. funny thing to do for so, five minutes. Doreen disappeared and was, uh, returned to the show in early June of 1962. Gemma... I'm going to pass over to you. Tell us what was going on with old Doreen in the second half of 1962. Well, she's all over the place, isn't she? Because now she's been Gamma Garments, she's been a barmaid, and now she gets a job in the grocer's shop in Rosamond she's, Street. She's still at Gamma Garments. Yeah. She's a bit, I think she's a bit, it sounds a bit like Sean, just like Flitting many about. jobs at once yeah. to try and get the cash to get out of the street. I'm getting Un- away unlike, from him. Unlike Sean, who's still hanging on in there. He's got dreams, Michael, but <laughs> he does. I don't know what he's doing about them. So she quits soon. So she can um, carry on working at Gamma Garments. Yeah. 
and she's got she has various escapades and mishaps with Emily like um when she sold hankies for some amount of money. I sorry, I've written this, but I didn't. I don't know how to say this. One, one, one slash eleven. Did you just say one eleven? One pound. One 11? bob. I don't know. Three I crowns. I don't know what this is. Yeah, she basically she sold some hankies. Uh, she a sold box them of by the box. For the price of, of yeah. One. Yes. Thanks for stitching me up there. Dorian and Sheila. Nice I don't. Thing hanky. is, I know that I wouldn't understand old money, so I'm not even going to try. Yeah. Hate me. Maybe she didn't work in Gamma Garments in 1961. Maybe I got that wrong. Maybe it was just 1962 that she started there. I don't know. Dorian and Sheila worry about Sheila after she gets fed up with life and... No, they worry about Christine. I've really stitched you up with my notes for 1962. Why don't you carry on This is all wrong. Right. So I'm going to make this up as I go along. Dorian and Sheila start getting worried about Christine Hardman um, because she gets fed up with life. She gets fed up with being... um, uh, wronged by her men and she threatens to jump off the factory roof um, and then end up she ends up going to move to, to London with Neela Crossley but yeah Neela ne- Cross Crossley I think I'm doing great um, so yeah Dory and Sheila are quite important for that then they moved into the corner shop flat um, which like I said earlier is a, a nice little trope of having the young characters living together to see what kind of young person's escapades they could get up to and uh, before long they were annoying Florrie Lindley the owner of the shop downstairs with their very loud music Grr, those kids basically most of most of 19 the rest of 1962 and a lot of the rest of her time in the show it seemed was just about her fancying boys going out with various lads really um, although she does end up getting a bit fed up with some other ones and their wandering hands too. She also discovers later that year that Emily Nugent and Mr Swindley are having a bit of a secret love affair. Um, and then Jerry... Um, what was Jerry said? Jerry Booth comes on the scene, who was this lovely, shy... Um, how would you describe Jerry? Um, he was just a decent, hard-working... Um, shy. He wasn't a builder. lad, was he? But he was a, he was a builder, and yeah, he was. Yeah, he, he was very hard working. Uh, but he, he, they they basically they spend a lot of time. He was a gentleman. He was. They end up spending a lot of time teasing him for being shy and kind of, um, make yeah, just making fun of him. And uh, he ends up eventually snapping and telling Doreen to shut it. And uh, and for a while that made her think of him as masterful and manly. And this is where yesterday's episode came in because Jerry was invited to that party, wasn't he? I don't think he really wanted to go there. He kind of shows up in wearing his fancy tie and they kind of make fun of him and trying to get him out of the tie. And he's just sitting there looking very um, nervous at the side of the room while Doreen and Sheila are um, putting on their, their fondue and putting on the music and uh, everyone's doing the twist. It was so funny. Even even Emily herself had a bit of um, alcohol, didn't she? They uh, persuaded her to have a, a, a tot of, I don't know what it was. Something. And, and by the end of the episode, she's twisting the night away herself when, and uh, Mr Swindley comes and crashes the party and can't believe that um, the usually such so sober Emily is um, let Indulging. go of her in, inhibitions. Yeah. 1963 then, so we've already hit uh, Doreen's final year on the show. She's starting to worry that she's going to be made redundant. But 
as a twist, Mr. Swinley tells up tells Emily that she's the one for the chop because she's the one that earns the most. So Gamma Garments is going through hard times. Um, eventually, though, he's able to persuade Mr. Papadopoulos, their boss, to take her back. So drama, everybody. Um, she Doreen goes on to swerve the affections of Jed Stone um, because yeah, she's just just not interested in him. But then she gets set up on a date with him. Um, I think. Sheila organises a double date so she's seeing Jerry at this point Sheila and Jerry go on a date and Sheila says oh Jed come out for a date with Doreen so she didn't like that then and I think we watched this episode there's an episode where Doreen and Emily are both fancying two van drivers who come to the shop I don't know whether you remember this one they're they're saying well we're gonna we're gonna take some of your stock here from Gamma Garments take it up to head office but actually they're just a bunch of scammers they they steal all the pants and fabric or whatever it is and um the next day when the police come round the shop to interview emily and doreen about it they don't really want to say anything or describe the guys because they fancied them and they didn't want them to get caught and get in trouble which is kind of funny do you remember that one no oh yeah i think we watched that one um she, she goes out with Dennis for a little bit later in the year. Dennis Tanner, she persuades him to take her to the theatre. But then he get, then she gets annoyed when he doesn't try anything on with her. So one minute she's saying, keep your hands to yourself. And then when he doesn't even go for a, doesn't go for a kiss, she's not happy with that. Um, and she says it was like going out with her brother. Um, they're also responsible, Doreen and Sheila, for Walter Potts's stage name of Brett Falcon. Bit of trivia for you there later in the year. Um, and there is more dramas at Gamma Garments as well that year because Mr. Swindley is replaced as the manager by Neil Crossley. Um, he ends up... Isn't he the one that ran off with Christine Hardman? Um, maybe. Oh, my note. I did write that there, didn't I? See, I don't know whether you can believe anything that I'm saying tonight. I promise most of this is true, but... Um, yeah, no, I think you're right. I think you're right. Hang yeah, on, t- what's t- going on? What? No, it's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah Neil the... Crossley. Yeah. Uh, Christine Harmon's moved to London with no, Neil Crossley and she, he comes back. Oh, no, she didn't. See, this is where I made the mistake earlier. It was Christine Hardman that was on... But it's just too, too many women that are contemplating suicide. Christine Hardman tried to jump off the roof. I don't know what happened to her in the end. She was Sheila Bertels, she she later ends up taking pills, doesn't she? Because um, yeah, she Neil, Neil Crossley comes. Oh, this is this is. I, I apologise for my badly organised notes on tonight's episode, everyone. I hope you can get something out of this. But anyway, Neil Crossley comes in. He ends up leaving most of the running of the shop to Doreen and Emily. So he's a bad manager. Um, Doreen's also heard bad things about him and, it, uh, and he's a bit of a dodgy guy but he turns out he's a bit of a charmer um, but they soon discover that he starts stealing from the till and going to the betting shop and is a little bit worried um, because Sheila's been dating him in secret this is when Sheila Bertels almost gets driven to suicide uh, because Neil starts treating her badly as well she also owes a load of people money Doreen's sadly oblivious just to how bad her situation is in, kind of mentally speaking. So Sheila ends up taking a load of pills. And this was the episode when Sheila was supposed to have committed suicide. But when the word got out to um, the viewers that that was going to happen, they kind of were up in arms, weren't they? And Coronation Street had to change the plot at the last minute and have Dennis Tanner rescue her. 
Anyway, Sheila then goes off. Uh, maybe she goes off with Neil. I don't know. By the end of the year, anyway, Leonard Swindley's return to the shop. Things pretty much go back uh, to normal. Um, but because oh here because Sheila has left the street, she's, yeah, she's gone to live with her parents. Actually, um, Doreen realizes that there's not much keeping me here. She tries to get um, Myra Booth to to stay with her um, in her flat. Gets turned down. Um, and so she ends up leaving Weatherfield to join the Women's Royal Army Corps in October. She has a bit of a goodbye party. Mr Swindley says some nice kind words to her, which is kind of a surprise to Doreen because she's always slagged him off. And that's the last that we see of Doreen Lostock. Very sad, Gemma. Is it? Well, maybe. Well, I just she, wonder. Talks, she gets talked about. She she does. I mean, she, she Sheila Bertels comes back to the street a few years later, like 1966, I think, and tells people that um, the last time she heard from Doreen, she had she had a boyfriend, a, a tank driver boyfriend, um, and she was doing all right. But then, um, by the time Sheila comes again onto Coronation Street, um, Sheila, she she's she's lost touch with Doreen. So. Nobody knows what happened to her in the end. Nobody knows. She's gone to gone to travel the world. Um, yeah, and that's it. She she did appear one more time in the show, but in a flashback in episode nine hundred and fifty seven, which was um, shown in, in in February nineteen seventy. Elsie Tanner has a flashback of a scene from nineteen sixty two where Doreen appears. So she did actually get get a name on the credits for that one. But um, no, that was that was it. And um, of of leaving Coronation Street. Um, the actress said, I-, I wanted to do Ibsen and Chekhov. I'd had to turn down two meaty parts in the new wave films and it was an exciting time of change in the theatre. So she basically just wanted to go off and do other things. a whole load of stuff, which she did because her TV career continued for another 40 or 50 years or so after Coronation Street, including um, a role in Pardon the Expression, which was a Corrie spin-off starring um, Leonard Swindy, wasn't it? And she didn't play Doreen Lostock in that. She was another character called Miss Clapper. So that must have been a bit weird for the actors that one of them was playing the character that they played on Coronation Street and the other one was playing somebody different. But um, most of the roles that um, Angela went on to do were one-off. She didn't stay in the same programme for very long. She was um, in Grange Hill for eight episodes, quite funnily, Called uh, in the role of a character called Mrs. Bertels. So she was friends with Sheila Bertels on Coronation Street. She was Mrs. Bertels in Grange Hill. That was only eight episodes, though. Um, but yeah, she was just in, you know, single episode things for most of the rest of her career. She did a load of theatre as well. Um, according to her IMDb page, her last appearance was uh, playing a character called Mrs. Hastings in the show Doomwatch. And it gives that in 2016 but doing a little bit of digging for that it actually this was something that was in um, the early 1970s but was only released on dvd in 19 uh, sorry in 2016 because even though it was filmed in the 1970s it was unbroadcast back then possibly and i don't think anybody knows that the true history of this was that the episode contained stock news footage of a public execution and so they decided not to show it in the 70s and it took another 45 years for it to get its outing on DVD. Um, the other theory was that the episode satirised Mary Whitehouse, Cliff Richard and Lord Langford and so they thought it would maybe be best not to show it. But in any case, that was the very last thing that you could see um, Angela Crow in, even though it was The filmed. most recent thing. Yeah, yeah, even though it was filmed many, many years beforehand. 
Um, but um, yeah, she ended up retiring to West Yorkshire. But her one was her actual final TV. Appearance. Oh, the last time she was actually on TV was in two thousand and five in an episode of The Royal, oh. and uh, and then she retired to West Yorkshire. She was a keen member of the Bronte Society apparently, and uh, was writing books about all this and that. And she was she was giving talks about the Bronte family. Uh, there was a book called uh, Miss Brandwell's Companion in 2007 that she published. And, and this, uh, of course, is why they called the chicken Charlotte Bronte. Oh, yeah. Incarnation Street. It was, it was no, secretly. No, not necessarily, but would it be like. nice if it was? <laughs> and, uh, and that was it. So she, she lived out the rest of her days in West Yorkshire before dying um, earlier this year on the 3rd of March. So that's it. That is a story. And, and uh, I, I just feel pretty bad that I maybe got some of these... Um, bits of information yeah, wrong in and out of order no it's fine it's pretty much you, you, can, you can read about it online pretty much that is the story of Doreen Lostock she was she was a fun factory girl she was a ditzy, fun cool bubbly, 60s chick trendy full of full of dreams and hopes and unlike Ken Barlow she actually went to pursue them yes she did she ended up in the in the in the army and so I said, good on, good on her. Your dreams. But I, I, I know we're still watching the the late two thousands episodes at the moment, and hopefully we can go back to the sixties. But I think now that I've read all this about Doreen, I'd be very interested to to actually see her more in action and maybe watch a, a series of episodes of her in. She seems she seems kind of fun. Yeah, she and, is. She's definitely it, fun. Yeah, it just goes to show you don't need to be an Elsie Tanner or an Ina Sharples or a, an Annie Walker or a Hilda Ogden to. To you, you, your show needs a pro big characters like that, but you also need your your supporting characters as well, don't you? Because mm-hmm. um, because that's what Coronation Street is about about the all walks of life. Yep. Um, I think we're done. Should we say we're done? We're done. That is it, everybody. A um, kind of all right history of Doreen Lostock, but as you can probably tell, we don't know much about her because we haven't seen it. But if anybody listening has got fond memories of, of Doreen, do please write in and let us know what your favourite part about her and um, why did you enjoy her as a character. But um, I think we will finish there. Um, write to us at conversationstreet at gmail.com and follow us on Twitter and on Facebook and YouTube and all that if you haven't done so yet. Um, and we will be back this weekend with our thoughts on the week's episodes on ITV. So goodbye from me, Michael, and Bye. goodbye from Jenna. Goodbye. The music for this episode came from podcastthemes.com. Oh, oh, oh.